0: This is part six of the Love, Rinse, Repeat 50th episode special, The Seven Words from the Cross. Here we come to Jesus' penultimate words, it is finished. To discuss them with me, I have Lauren R.E. Larkin. Welcome, Lauren, and welcome back to those of you nearing the end of this special 50th episode. Well, Lauren Larkin, welcome to the Love, Rinse, Repeat 50th episode special, Seven Words from the Cross.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: That's uh, great. It's great to ha- have you join us. So uh, we're coming, we're, we're, we're closing this out. Uh, uh, or actually, no, wait, there's one more after this. So I got confused with the order for a second, but we're right very much... <laughs> We're basically at the end. (laughs) Um, I
1: I would say so. The the, the, the words that I have are pretty much near the end, so I don't know how much more end it gets.
0: (laughs) So now that that we've um, walked awkwardly onto the plank, um, how about I I read our words and and we'll get into it. Uh, This is from John 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, "It is finished." Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So, Lauren, what do you hear in these words?
1: Well, it's um, it's it's hard for me not to be influenced by the tradition that I'm invested in in terms of the "It is finished." Um, what I hear is a closing of a chapter. Um, I think that's clear. I don't think anyone's really going to necessarily be like, what? This is mind-blowing, you know? Like, oh, Lauren Larkin's mic drop. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a closing of a chapter. Um, but what, it, what where I've heard, and this is what I was thinking about. So today I was on my run, and I was like, you know, my run is yet to be finished. And so I'm thinking about these words, and I'm thinking about how often I hear them, at least in an American Protestant um Context, I hear it as the banner of the new life mm. and it's problematic for me. um it didn't mm. used to be, but it is now, and I believe that I'm getting this in this this influence from uh, Friedrich gogarten, um which whom I study for my doctoral work um, but the it is finished. And good Lord, you know, when you read a whole bunch of scholars and you start confusing the two, and I really hope I'm not confusing Bonhoeffer with Gogarten because <laughs> that's embarrassing. But um, one of the things that I was struck uh, a few months ago when I was reading that is is the idea that the it is finished is applied to the old. Um and I want to be careful because I want to be sensitive to our, ter- our current time and era and not talk about the old scriptures or the old covenant as something bad and inferior mm. to the new, right? Mm. But there is there does seem to be, for the Christian story through Christ and the event of the cross, there seems to be a break with a was and what is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's this heavy silence in the middle, right? And so mm-hmm. we have that silence of Saturday from going from Friday to Sunday, you have this pregnant Saturday of what in the world just happens. Um, but the, it is finished is putting a peg in, um, what I would like to call, and this is based off of, again, sort of the tradition that I'm influenced by. Um, what I would like to call, um, uh, an idolatrous relationship with something that we put in the position of God that is no longer to be in the position of God. And from what I can tell, and to say this as um, cautiously as I can, um, our relationship specifically with the law. And this is something that I have been thinking a lot about in terms of what is finished. What is the work that's done on the cross? Um, And for me, the it is finished is that in the event of the cross with what Christ does and what God does in that moment um, is about breaking us from idolatrous relationships. And I am being influenced here definitely by of Discipleship and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, but that break with the idolatrous relationship where we have put something in the seat of God that should not be there. Um, for this instance, I'm going to use the law. And who is sitting there now is or will be according to our kind of material perspective, um, God. And so in the cross you have, it is finished, uh, the break has occurred and now we're going to enter into a new life. So you can't actually carry over the it is finished into what will come on Easter Sunday. Um, so we have to, I want to look at it as a reworking, Um, Or maybe even a reframing of that moment where the Israelites coming out of Egypt crossed down through the deep basin of the Red Sea, right? I'm I'm correct, it's the Red Sea. You know how you teach something over and over and over again and you realize, wait. Is that wrong? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) no, when they cross over into the deep earth, that deep, cool earth and the rocky ground of the Red Sea and up onto the other side. And when God drops the walls of water, separating Israel forever from that Egyptian enslavement into a new life that will be oriented towards God, that is sort of what I see happening again on the cross. It is finished. Now there's a hard line in the sand. Um, Another example would be from the gospels. uh, I believe it's also John, the woman caught in adultery. And we see Jesus get down when she's dragged and she's about to be stoned. And there's a moment after the whole, like all the stones drop and, you know, people walk away. Jesus does something in the sand. And in my mind, I think it's, again, it's the line that God draws between old and new, Um, not bad and better or inferior and superior but mm. this our encounter with god deep um, is the line is clearly demarcated in the law in the grounds between what was and is now relegated to the old life and then into what is new and i feel like that reconciles really well with a lot of the stories that we encounter in the old testament um and also too allows us to see christ when he engaged with the Pharisees, not hating the Pharisees, Mm. but essentially trying to get in between that, um, that, that use of the law, uh, that, that, um, comes in the form of, uh, delineations between groups. Mm. So religious totalitarianism is how Friedrich Gogarten would describe it. Mm. I'm cautious with his language because of where he lands essentially politically during the early 20th century, um, world war ii episode so but that that's how i kind of see what's going on with um the it is finished it is mm. a divine proclamation and i feel like we hear echoes of that all throughout scripture and then even in our own lives mm. um so it works well from my dialectical theological standpoint it works well with the encounter with god in the event of faith that there is this break and so i am Different, I am new um, again, I don't want to say better, I want to be cautious with that, but I am new. I am in a recreated life uh, rather than of the old, and so we 're always mm. breaking out of those shells mm.
0: yeah, thank you for that. I'm curious about like following this thread through a bit of the you know this this word that we hear in our own life and how that um, yeah also causes this rupturing or this 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 breaking um, where where yeah some exactly there's a shift in you know a lot of our um, the similar to the world looked very similar before Jesus said the words and afterwards, and similar a lot of the uh, uh, um, accoutrements of our life will look very similar uh, most likely yeah. after that moment, but is it, that's still this interruption do you want to talk a little more about you know the the, the echo of this word in each person in the life
1: of yeah. the individual? Yeah. And what what's neat about the it is finished applied to the personal individual level is that it's allowed to take on um, dynamic and um, uh, many different forms. All right. So the way that it encountered with me. So uh, I'm just going to be honest, all of my academic work from the moment that I walked onto seminaries, my seminary's campus that first day until now, which is Perpetually ongoing, and it's funny because the kids ask, you know, like, "Mommy, when is when are you done with school?" And I was like, <laughs> "I'm the wrong person to ask." <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> mommy's in like 23rd grade, so <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> which stresses the toddler out because she's in kindergarten. Yeah, that anyway, seems like a long time um, <laughs> away. <laughs> <laughs> 23 more years of this, okay. um, <laughs> um, but it's it um, all of my my academic work has been in pursuit of understanding what happened to me in December, on December 4th of, um, 2000, where I had an encounter all by me. I wasn't in church. I didn't get threatened with hell. I didn't get promised with heaven. I was at a point in my life where I, according to my evaluation of this, of what was happening, I was at a point where I was going to die Not because I was going to take my own life, because my life and my habits were so self-destructive that just teasing out the logic of it was going to end in death. And I knew that if I tried to continue to try to strong arm it or just try to work it into what I thought was right, that my judgment of what was good was going to be the end of me. And so I fall on my knees in my apartment, kind of like, you know, not so much that I was out persecuting the followers of the way like Saul, but a very, very big moment where it was, I had one of those on the road to Damascus conversion moments. And I fell on my knees and I just said, if you're real, like if you are what you're claiming to be and you are this good news, I throw my hand, I throw my life into your hands because if it's up to me, I'm dead. So my best bet right now is just, you and in that moment, I woke up the next day different. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally felt the chains and shackles around my mind crack open. I was never academic, and then all of a sudden, I was. And this hunger and pursuit, and so I've always wanted to understand. Um, my engagement in that moment—what is going on? My PhD really hones in on that. What happens to the person in the encounter with God? Mm. The it is finished. And now, listen—I didn't go on to like become like not sinful. Like I definitely. <laughs> I have stories, (laughs) but, but, um, there was, there was a clear break between Mm. the Lauren that was and the Lauren that is like, Mm. um, my friends from college could not really wrap their head around that. I was getting now a 4.0 in seminary easily. And that all I wanted to do was stay in on a Friday night and study my theology texts like that. The two lives were distinct. And so for me it came in a very sort of dramatic way, but I experienced that over and over again, you can experience it. This, it is finished and into the new, Even when you have a moment of encounter with another person, right? Mm. Um, It can be a pleasant encounter. Um, You're always different in each engagement, or it can be uh, one of my favorite examples is when we go seek forgiveness from someone. Forgiveness is a really interesting moment because it resonates deeply with the heart of the cross, right? The heart of the event of the cross and God reconciling us unto God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, a forgiving a building of possibility for us humanity in relationship with God. Here we have a very, very tangible moment where two human people come together and one has to die to themselves to ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? The other person hearing those words has to die to themselves as well and say, yes, I will. Or maybe even no, not right now, or I forgive you, but we're not reconciling, right? But there's a moment where these two deaths come together and then the relationship itself has to be buried and brought back as something new, all right? And so the, you can't carry that old relationship in. And we know that when, historically, when someone has carried our history into the present, you did this, remember? But yes, we covered that and you forgave me. I'm not forgetting it. It's dragging death into the relationship and it almost becomes like a moment where this relationship is kind of on thin ice. Um, and so when we forgive and reconcile, however, whatever form that takes, and there's multiple forms to reconciliation and forgiveness, um, there's three deaths that occur and something new comes up. And so for me, just the tangible act of Um, our love expressed through the act of forgiveness and, um, however, reconciliation takes place mirrors that moment on the cross, um, and the event of the cross and what Christ does for us in that moment. So we hear it is finished. If you actually sit down and just sort of take stock, you probably hear it is finished way more often than you think. Um, but it's always this, this is the banner over the old life. Then there's resurrected life. Hmm. And that's what we step into
0: mm Thank you for that so then I'm, I'm curious because you've talked about how so it's the is this you know point of departure, um, but there is that moment that pause that we take on Saturday uh, mm-hmm. and and I'm thinking about it with and then and then things begin, but like in the reading it's so in the reading we have the Jesus says the words and then gives up his spirit, gives up mm-hmm. the ghost, um, depending on that, and I'm interested in that um trajectory that's kind of left kind of open right gives up the spirit doesn't it's not like luke has a bit more like i commend the spirit is commended to the father here it's just kind of a little more open it feels Mm -hmm. Um, and i'm I'm curious you have thoughts on how that then plays out as the as the um tides of history continue
1: Um, I am very fortunate that I have a wealth of brilliant friends from seminary up until today. And one of my best friends in the whole entire world, Um, Deborah Layton, actually wrote a paper in college at Wheaton um, talking about how when Jesus in this portion of John, where Jesus breathes out his last, it's sort of a sending. This is where Jesus' creative spirit Leaves, and so we have into the world, and so you have John, and John's gospel does this from the beginning of its opening, right? Like something enters in and spreads, and so you have Jesus breathing his yeah. last. It's it's Luke who does the whole Jesus over here beginning to do and teach, and then over here he goes, and the Spirit comes down. But John, I think when I think Deborah's right, um, where she argues that this is. The spirit being released into the world, and this is the res. This is the beginning um, that that of the, of the movement of God, the Spirit, into the world. And so, what you have is um, hearts being convicted, and eyes being opened, and ears being opened. And so, um, one of the things I don't remember where it is because you know, again, the theme of the sub theme of this interview is, um, I can't remember what I'm talking about. (laughs) And so, um, somewhere in, in one of the gospels is the centurion who in the midst of the world, the actual earth, the cosmos, the, the, the gaze, Mm -hmm. like responding to the death of Christ says, behold, the son of God. Mm -hmm. Right. If you, if you, if you do something creative and abstract and pull the two together, how does he know what, what caused something in his heart to look upon a man nailed to a cross, dead, and violently dead, and the sky is dark, and then to be like, oh, well, yes, well, clearly that was God. <laughs> All right? It would be like us looking upon a um, uh, a form of um, uh, uh, execution and saying, oh, that was beautiful. mm, mm. People around us would be like, what in the world are you talking about? But <laughs> yeah. with that breathing the last, you see sort of, you see the inklings of um, people mm. seeing and seeing something different than, um, mm. and, and being ushered into sort of like the uh, logic of faith. Like mm. this now makes sense. This had to happen, which are words that outside of the encounter with God and the event of faith might seem like crazy talk um so the juxtaposition of the crowd is really important for that moment as well
0: Mm. so yeah I think that's that's really helpful and and to think about then the trajectory of the spirit and what that will do you know through acts in terms of breaking down barriers between Jew and Gentile uh you know the the spirit through um Paul's exhortations to his community to to rethink Mm -hmm. you know rich and poor and and the the hierarchies of gender and 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 all these kind of things Mm -hmm. that and that lends to your point of the it is finished then occurring in those moments where we encounter another because to some extent mm-hmm. we have been allowed to see in the other moment of, of Christ coming toward us or a moment of mm-hmm. the spirit in breaking the kingdom and breaking in our lives. And that's, you know, all because, you know, as you say, the spirit uh, dispersing across the, yes. the, the cosmos and allowing people to, to see anew, to to live in a different way and, and to... Mm-hmm. Um, form a new kind of community.
1: Yeah, and you have um, you have what I, I and I, I picked this up from studies through Eberhard Jungel, but you have, I love always playing around with the reversal of Aristotle's actuality has priority over possibility. Jungel takes that and flips it and says, actually in the gospel, it's reversed. It's that possibility now has priority over actuality. And that really aligns well with the it is finished. What was this judgment according to the flesh? This is going to be straight Paul in, I believe, Second Corinthians. What is of the flesh is now going to be of the spirit. The tablets of stone are dead. The ministry of the spirit is living. This is mm. static. This is dynamic. And you start to have this. And we as Christians aren't to ascribe to the old, which was the move into the new and so you have this dynamic kind of activity where we start to live in kind of pretty radical and crazy ways so when we look at the early church next you definitely start to see all those communal type um living situations um And so it's, it really does uh, that, that, that possibility. I am all about possibility. Um, I do my best to be as, as, as good of a dialectical theologian as I can. I don't substantiate the future with anything, um, but I know that it is possible. Mm. And I know that with God, all things are possible. And so God and future and possibility all kind of reign supreme. And what is now isn't certain that it's going to be this way tomorrow. And so yeah. we always every encounter and so going back to the act of forgiveness, when I forgive you, um in that moment, I actually make space for you to enter towards me in a way that doesn't harm me. I want to be careful because there are times where the act of forgiveness can be used as a means to continue to harm someone. I'm not advocating for that. But ideally speaking, looking at the events of forgiveness um, and reconciliation should be taking what is your deeds that hurt me, pulling them to the side and not defining you by them, nor defining this relationship, nor me stepping into that space with that pain necessarily i want to be cautious there too um so that's sort of the way i want to i want to play i want to add that in there because i feel like it's a good time talking about the spirit we have to simultaneously talk about a possibility having priority over actuality what is isn't always what is Um, and so anything is possible
0: yeah, no, I think that's so important and obviously it connects very much with your own personal story, as you say before, like, you know, that, that mm-hmm. there was a possibility beyond the logical thing of, well, this is how this, the, the logical end mm-hmm. of this self-destructive behaviour can be interrupted by a new possibility because of the, the mm-hmm. it is finished. So so we, uh, we'll start to land the plane in a moment. So um, one question we've been kind of talking about the, uh, around these different words is... You know, part of the reason we're doing this, part of the reason, you know, is because um, the church is currently dispersed, uh, distance, isolated. The whole world is dispersed, distance, and isolated, and and a lot of it is anxious. Uh, And so a lot of the normal ways that we observe Holy Week uh, are unavailable to us. Mm -hmm. So what does these words of Jesus, that it is finished, what might that say to, to the church, to the world, in this time to, to, to a church in a world that is, that is isolated, distanced, dispersed, worried, um, changed, um, disrupted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things that I'm thinking. One is that because we can't group together, it's still okay. Like we do get, I do think that we that we need to allow ourselves to hold on loosely to our ritual and religiosity, right? And so that we can't partake together and in, and in, in, in have communion and. Be partake of the same cup and kneel at the same rail and say the same prayers and be in community does not mean that we're not. In- we have to be open to the possibility, right? We are actually in community in a whole different way now. Um, so that the it is finished allows us to break from our normal habits and routines and readjust into some sort of new normal, right? And so for now, that means separation and quarantine and taking control over what we can can take control over. Another thing that I want to think of is something a little bit more, um, I don't know, maybe more edgy, a little bit more politically radical, but good Lord, we cannot come out of this the same. Mm. (laughs) I'm Mm. sorry, but we have exposed, at least in our own country with our private healthcare system, we are not doing a good job. Mm. With our emphasis on worker production, we are killing people. We are literally now killing people. And so in my estimation, I am hearing the it is finished, meaning we need to come to terms with where we are failing as a society. Our leaders are failing the people. We are scared and we're right to be scared because we don't want to go to the hospital here because we don't have enough stuff. You know, we have nurses that are now dying and doctors who are exposed and workers who have to go and man, you know, um, be, be participate in, the, in, in, in store exchanges and stuff like that. We are now hearing our leadership talk about, no, we need to get the Americans back to work. No, you're trying to go back into an old system that has exposed itself as a huge fraud and failure and you wanna go back? That's like crawling or swimming back over the Red Sea and landing yourself (laughs) back in Egypt. We need to see this as a hard line in the sand and reevaluate a lot of the ways that we have gotten accustomed to status quo behavior that is oppressive and destructive. And if we don't reconcile with the it is finished, we're gonna have some major problems on our hands. And whatever revolution comes from that...
0: That is a brilliant, brilliant (laughs) spot to end. What a word you've offered to us, Lauren. I I appreciate it a lot. Uh, That's great. Uh, If people have liked listening to Lauren talk and want to hear her talk more about theology, you can check out her excellent podcast, Sancta Colloquia, uh, which the information will be uh, below in your show notes. Uh, Anything else you want to draw people's attention to, Lauren?
1: uh not so much I'm just a person
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> just
0: a person on a on a screen all right well th- <laughs> uh well thank you for joining us for this uh this special thank episode it was uh, uh, yeah I'm inspired I'm excited and uh and the words <laughs> have been illuminated for me so thank you
1: thank you for having me it was an honor to be here